We've been spending some time looking at um, our values and virtues, different things that, that we are, um, looking at our identity, the, the, what makes us who we are. And some of the things that we've been looking at in the last few weeks as Doug has been preaching, we talked about loving and forgiving. Usually the loving part is pretty easy. Sometimes the forgiving part, not so much. Um, and yet we've all lived long enough to know that if we don't forgive, it, it just basically will destroy us. Forgiveness is a decision. Sometimes it is not a matter of emotion. It's a matter of I choose to forgive, primarily because God told us to forgive. Last week he spoke on intentional, um, how we, we set our face to follow God, that we set our path to follow him. Um, and many examples in that, many things we could look at um, in, that, in that whole realm. I feel like um, the Apostles' Creed, when you go to seminary, you have to do a master's thesis, and at least at Perkins it was called a credo, and it was your belief. And um, I, I followed the Apostles' Creed in that and, and elaborating on that, that we are intentional about the things of God. We are intentional about the things that honor him. Um, and that is our desire. And today we're talking about teachable, which I know sounds kind of easy, but but teaching on it is kind of like, okay, where do I start? Now, I got over it, so, you know, no, no worries. Uh, but texted several people in the midst of that, just kind of their thoughts on what teachable meant and that type of thing. But basically, you get down to Jesus was a teacher, that he came, he was a rabbi, and he taught, he had disciples, um, among many other things, he was a teacher and taught people in ways that they were not used to and, and spoke in ways that their lives were touched. Can you imagine what it was like? I mean, we read the scripture, but can you imagine what it was like to have been there? Can you imagine what it would be like to sit down and hear him speak and to feel the peace that would be in his presence and, and the power of him and the power of his words? Um, I think a lot of times we're so caught up in, in our own reality and all the things we have to deal with, but oh my goodness, um, if you ever get to go to the Holy Land and, and uh, it is worth the trip, there are many places you go and they've built churches and there's incense and all that kind of stuff and, and while that may be, you know, nice and good and all that, uh, you go to the Sea of Galilee and they haven't built a church over it yet, <laughs> there are churches on the shore. But, but just to hear the water and to stand there and realize the teaching that he did and the lives that he spoke into and what it would be like to be a crowd, in that crowd. Disciples are followers. He had disciples. We call ourselves disciples even to this day. Um, and if you're a follower, you need to be able to receive. And that's really what it comes down to in, in being teachable, that we could receive um, we have a need to have a teachable spirit. There is so much to learn. And that's part of the job of the Holy Spirit um, is to, to remind us of all the things that he said and to lead us and guide us and be our comforter. Um, it's so important to understand the work of God in all of that. Often it's very uh, easy to give. I think it's a lot harder to receive. If you've ever been in a position where you needed to receive something, um, it, that can be hard. That can be difficult. But it's in the receiving that we acknowledge our need. And if we are honest, 
we all need things, and certainly we need the Lord. It goes counter to our society because we very much uh, see the value in strength and independence and wealth, uh, things that can be achieved on this earth. I don't know if you watch college football. I do upon occasion. There were a couple of games on yesterday. Um, I did not go to my brother's home because usually Lauren did. She's brave. Uh, sometimes things are thrown. I don't know, <laughs> besides the football. Um, and yes, that would be my brother, the pastor at First Methodist Coppell. But, um, but I think he's worked through that. Evidently, there was a game years ago, um, and he was at the church in Prosper. They were in that parsonage, and uh, his brother-in-law from Indiana was there, and they're not that big into football. They're into basketball, right? And I think it was the A&M Texas game, and something happened he did not care for. And Tommy, my brother, spiked the football. Not gently, but he was mad. And it hit the mantle on the, above their fireplace. Anybody want to guess what picture on the mantle it hit? Yes, it would be the in-law family picture, you know, that it shattered and broke. And I think Lisa, his wife, got a new couch out of that one. Um, <laughs> but he learned maybe I don't go to parties where there's a Super Bowl or things like that so I don't spike the football when Texas doesn't do something he was happy with. Anyway, um, so just saying, you look at some of those guys, they are so huge, and you hope they don't have anger issues, you know, at least in front of you at 7-Eleven or whatever, you know. We look at strength and independence and wealth, and yet in spiritual terms, there is great power in yielding our lives to God. And we can certainly do things in our own strength. We can absolutely do that. We can absolutely try to do things out of our own intelligence, and this is what we're going to do. I have a plan. And we can do that. We have free choice. We can absolutely do that. And yet, are we willing to yield to God's plan for our lives? And sometimes that takes us places that maybe we didn't anticipate, and sometimes things happen that maybe we weren't planning on. I don't know about you. I tend to be a planner. I mean, I don't try to obsess about that, but I like to kind of know. And I would just share with you that that doesn't always work out. You know, my plans are kind of what I have on the paper. Of, are we willing to submit to God's plan for our lives? We are free to choose. And we can choose God or we can walk away. We can choose our strength over his strength. We can choose our wisdom over his wisdom. We absolutely can choose. But it's in recognizing his remarkable love for us. I mean, what greater example of love is there that he lets you choose? You can choose. You can absolutely choose to not love him back. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I, I, I think we hardly can even recognize the significance of that. His remarkable love that is without end, that from your first breath unto your last, he loves you and cares for you and watches over you and desires a relationship with you. I think there is tremendous power in yielding our plan to his plan. God, whatever, whatever you say. Not whatever in the snarky attitude way, but Lord, whatever. It's also in repenting. I was always sort of told that repenting means, you know, it's like you're walking one way and you turn around and you walk the other and I understand that, but I really think a, a better definition is we're just not turning around, but we're walking to God. 
and my son who's in Bible school told me yesterday, he said that it's also like we change the way we think, that we want to think along God's lines and not just our plan, that we want to think the way he thinks and alter the way we live. Now, I would suggest to you there's a part in all of us that we kind of like things our way. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not asking for testimonies. We're not going to do popcorn testimonies or whatever about that. But I think in general, we could say basic humanity, we kind of like our way. Is that true? I mean, are you all with me? Are you already asleep? Um, uh, Most people have had the privilege of, of experiencing children when they're two. And when, when they have gotten kind of past the dependence on their mothers in particular, but they're dependents, and they want to be independent. And that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. But it's not always fun to experience it when they're in the middle of it. So I'm going to pick on my son, who's not here today. Love him very much. But uh, when he was two or three, uh, Robert was well known for a lot of things. Uh, but in particular, his answer to me on just about everything including do you want a million dollars his you know his answer to me on everything was no way mama and that was fun to hear no way mama you know and it's like Robert be kind to your sister no way mama you know now we did have fireside chats about that you know we did have you know little sessions of uh, attitude adjustment this was also the time in his life when he decided he wanted me to repaint his room purple and orange it wasn't purple and orange at that point. Now, I'm sorry if your room is painted purple and orange, but I didn't particularly care for that, nor did I want to have to do it. So my brother, Scott, whose uh, spiritual gift is teasing um, and other things. So Robert, when I didn't comply with the purple and orange, you know, then he started talking to other adults in his life. So he was talking to Scott. And Scott is, is saying back to this three-year-old, that is a great idea. And I'm just like, I am so going to get you at some point. Um, Scott then said to Robert, have you considered stripes? And I'm like, you know, are you crazy? It was also Scott, uh, Robert's uncle, who taught him about the vegetable sprayer. Robert didn't know about that yet. You know, at the sink, you turn on the water and there's a vegetable sprayer. So Robert figured out how to move the chair over. Sorry if there are children in the room that have never figured this out. But, you know, and then just hose the kitchen, you know, and everybody else. And it's like, thank you, Uncle Scott, for once again blessing our lives. Um, he's a great guy, loves the Lord, all of that. And he does not spike footballs like my brother Tom, who gets that mad. <laughs> Throughout Scripture, we see where people yielded their will to honor God's will. And you can start with Noah. I mean, we're not going to go through all of them because, yes, I know you have other things to do besides be here today all day. Noah, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Joshua. And for Joshua, and in some of these instances, uh, Abraham did it, there were others who did it, uh, but with Joshua, when they crossed the Jordan River, when they had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, in part because of their disobedience and their unteachable spirits and their rebellion and not believing God could take care of them, when they eventually crossed the Jordan River and it was at flood stage, God stopped the water and they walked across as on dry land, not unlike the Red Sea, and being in Egypt. This was a whole new generation, and God was showing his faithfulness. And when they did that, then Joshua said, we will build up a stone, we will build up a monument 
and the monuments in Israel are to be re- to remind people of God's faithfulness, what God did. And it's to remind the generations to come about what God did. And it is so critical that not only for us, but for our children and grandchildren, and children yet that we have yet to see their faces, that they understand the things of God and his power and his love and his care for us. It's critical for this church and other churches that that children know that that we all are faithful in telling that and and being in the place of like mentors or being in the place of being of teachable of receiving what God is doing with the Jordan River they built stones they he had 12 from the 12 tribes they built up 12 stones and it was to remind people when they see it so that you would tell the story of what God has done there are other places in Israel where there are similar stones of remembrance Um, people call them different things there's a passage in the book of Samuel when they were past the time of Joshua and then they went through the time of Judges where it says that everyone did what was right in their own eyes and for a period of time they would honor God and and love him and and do what they needed to do and then they would get into worshiping other gods and there was just this cycle of incredible problems for them and God would rise up judges to take care of them and lead them back to the ways of God so Samuel was one of those and in first Samuel verse 7 I'm sorry chapter 7 verse 12 it talks about that and it talks about how they had gotten in trouble with the Philistines the Philistines were a very powerful army a very powerful people and Israel not so much and Israel had gotten into the point of worshiping other gods and so they went into battle they just thought they could do it you know we're big we're strong we can do it and they did that and the Ark of the Covenant was captured and that was kind of a biggie you know that was huge and so Samuel led them in repentance and he led them then into battle they prayed and they sought God and led them into battle and actually they didn't even have to fight God sent a thunder a, a huge noise that scared the Philistine army and they ran and Israel ran after them and Samuel said you hear this in a song a song we sing but Samuel talked uh, a st- took it says in scripture that then Samuel took a stone and set it up between two places and he called it he named it Ebenezer saying thus far the Lord has helped us that it was a reminder of God's help this stone and so when we sing the song come thou fount of every blessing and often we sing it on confirmation Sunday we don't always do that but sometimes on confirmation Sunday talking about and it says in the second verse here I raise my Ebenezer and it's not just lifting a rock that like the kids have I mean they built this these stones were huge and they built them and they were a reminder of God's faithfulness they were a reminder of how he has taken care of them and so I would ask you today do you have those remembrances do you have those things and I'm not saying necessarily a rock but but are we good to remember his faithfulness and how he has taken care of us and how he has watched over us and how he will watch over us still there is so much that is focused that we focus on that has to do with this earth and I get it it's where we live I get that but for Jesus to go to the cross it's hard for us to understand the scandal that was that only criminals did that 
And the disciples were so focused on he was going to be an earthly ruler and he was going to be the king and they were going to be, you know, the king, you know, whatever they were going to be in the court and he would run the Romans out and that didn't happen. But spiritually, their entire world was touched. Jesus died on the cross and rose again. It looked like, like a huge failure until the resurrection. And with the resurrection, it only changed history, right? It changed how we see history. If we could focus on God's power, even half as much as we focus on what we have to face every day and the things that go on, that, that we really are in such a different world and such a different understanding, a different dimension. When Jesus died on the cross, his disciples, those that were called followers, uh, none of the 11 were there to take his body down, which was a huge statement. That, that in cases like that, it was supposed to be the disciples who would care for their leader. Um, they did not. It was Joseph of Arimathea and then Nicodemus, and some of the women were there. They were so focused on the plan they thought they had. They were so focused on the plan that they thought he would fulfill and he kept saying, I'm going to do this. You know, we're going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be crucified, and after three days I will be raised from the dead. Um, they didn't get it, even with all of that. I would just suggest to you that there have been many times in my life when I didn't get it, when I had plans or whatever, and loving God and all of that, but, you know, can, I can we do this or can it be this way or whatever, rather than, God, what do you want me to do? And it's my prayer for all of us that, that in our lives, uh, in this church, in other churches as well, that we would totally recognize God's faithfulness across the years. Maybe even when we didn't know it or acknowledge it or even recognize it, his faithfulness to you. And that we would remember and that that would be our testimony that that would be our testimony. When we do confirmation here, and I don't know how long they've done this. These are heavy. Everybody gets a stone. Now, this is Cindy J's stone because I did not go through confirmation at this church, and so I don't have a stone like this. But this is the stone that they hand out with everybody's, the kids' names on it, and then disciple. And I would guess there are a number of the youth that have these. Um, and it marks you for who you are. And a disciple is one who is taught. A disciple is one who follows. A disciple is one who takes up the ways of their master. And it's, I would say to you, it's also a stone of remembrance. And I don't know where you guys have them in your house. I hope it's not in the closet, you know, back behind, you know, at least, you know, in I'll quit messing with Robert and talk about how messy his room is, even though he doesn't live there. But I could show you pictures if you're really interested. But anyway, um, this is the stone of remembrance. And the scripture says that Cindy J. read earlier and that, that Sarah talked about, talked about how we build our homes. And Jesus, after he had taught on Sermon on the Mount, and he had talked about prayer, saying, not saying if you pray, but when you pray. He talked about giving, not if you give, but when you give. He talked about fasting. 
He talked about ask and keep on asking in prayer. That it's not just a one-time thing. Ask and keep on asking. Many things in the Sermon on the Mount. And then he said, it's like if you hear my words and do them, if you're obedient. And then he talks about the wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rock is God. And talked about that the storms will come. For all of us, the storms come. They just, they come. I mean, I would say to the youth group, you know, I'm a liar. If I tell you it's all going to be good and fine and wonderful, that would be nice. But that's not life. For all of us, there are things that you go through that are just difficult. And yet, founded upon the rock, that house stands. And we remember the times of when God helped us, that God is our help. It's a stone of remembrance. Several years ago, I had a home that had tremendous foundation problems. And I don't know that I, that, that house won the prize. Jim Farmer is here, and he helped with that, recommending people and very grateful for just godly people that, that help in times like that. But the foundation was just horrible. I think there were 43 piers that had to be done on that house. It was a fairly small house, so uh, I think I win on, on, you know, you get to win on things like that. Foundations are very critical. What, what, how we build is very critical. And I would say to the youth that when you, when you were confirmed in this church and when you held these rocks, people in the church too said, you know, we will pray for you. We will be with you. We will help you. And, and that still applies today. And I know it's weird to hear that, that Nick and Rachel are going to be in a different place and all that kind of stuff. I get it that that's hard. But, y'all, you've also got a church that loves you and cares for you and walks with you. And it's part of the rock. I've only known Nick for a few years. I've known Rachel. Sorry, this will be embarrassing. When she was about 18 months old or even like a year old, her grandparents, Winston and Charlotte Ray, would bring her sometimes to the nursery when we were on Pearl Street. And, um, and so I would help take care of Rachel, which was major fun. And she was incredibly smart and, um, you know, known her for years and years. And I'm convinced they're doing what they feel like God is calling them to do. And that's obedience. That's obedience. And even though we're sad to see them go, we know God has someone else that will come and be faithful to him and honor him and help lead the youth. This isn't a, oh, what will we do, but, oh, Lord, what is next? And it will be good. It will be good. So we build our house on the rock, and we are teachable, and we strive to do what God would have us do. There's also the thing about building your house on the sand, and there certainly are some people, I don't know anybody purposefully would do that, but you, I'm sure you've been to the ocean, and you stand where the water comes in, and as you stand, the sand begins to go out from under your feet, right? Has that only happened to me? I mean, y'all done that, right? Luke is here today, and Luke has been, he's back from India, where he's built the orphanage for these little girls, and he took them to the beach. I don't know if Lauren's been able to do a picture of it, but these little girls had never seen the ocean, ever, ever, and Luke is there, he's the one with the shades on, right, and, um, and showing them the ocean, 
And yet the whole point of Luke's ministry to them is so that they would understand the rock, that they would understand what we build our lives upon, that while they were there and the sand was shifting underneath their feet, the wise man, the wise person, builds their house on the rock. Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. The blessing that we have is knowing God. And the blessing that we have is to follow him and to have teachable spirits. Lord, show us what to do. When Israel got in trouble in scripture, it's when they didn't ask God. That's when they got in trouble. So asking God, Lord, what do you have for us as individuals, as families, as a church? Lord, what do you have for us? And how can we be faithful? How can we be the ones that would be a part of being teachable and being willing to teach others? How can we be faithful in remembering all that he has done? I don't know about you, and this is not a confession about no short-term memory or whatever, but um, sometimes remembering all that God has done, uh, I'm not so good about remembering when I'm facing a problem or something that seems insurmountable. But you know, the last time that I had to deal with stuff, it seemed insurmountable. And God was faithful. Maybe not exactly in the way I wanted it, but God was faithful. So whatever you are facing this day, God is with us. That's his name. That's his promise. And may our hearts be so that we remember what he has done. That we remember his faithfulness. That we remember that he is with us. It's our pledge to each other when a baby is baptized, when the kids are confirmed. We talk about how that we are the church and we carry on and we are intentional about the things of God, that we are intentional about forgiving and loving and we are intentional about having a spirit to receive teaching, to receive God's direction, God's day. Practical ways that we do that. I, I know you'll be surprised, but I think prayer is huge. I think asking God to fill us anew, I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I get tired and I get empty. And I need to say, Lord, fill me again. It's throughout Acts. Lord, fill us again with your spirit to receive his power. My power doesn't cut it, you guys. I know that's a surprise. Sorry if I stuck you up there. But my power doesn't cut it. But God's power. God's power is more than enough. What an amazing God. His remarkable love for us. His faithfulness to us. How he cares for us. The work of the Holy Spirit. There is so much. There is so much he has given us. And it is such a time to rejoice.
and know that he is faithful every step of the way. May we be faithful as well.